Welcome to Dr. Allett's Optimizing Brains Connectors Group. Just a reminder that this webinar is being provided for educational and informational purposes only. As Dr. Allett is also a licensed medical practitioner, we must make it clear that nothing in this discussion is intended to constitute medical advice, consultation, recommendation, diagnosis, or treatment. <laughs> I am super excited today to introduce Jennifer Nerio, who has been my fitness men my fitness trainer and mentor for the last three years. And uh, really, I uh, oh, I'm going to get all teary. Uh, really, I hold great gratitude for her because I really think she saved my functional life. And uh, because five years ago, I was in a motor vehicle accident, and it took a mere three years to identify that I had a TBI. And I got to go see some really good specialists on, on vision and vestibular and neck, which were all injured. And Jennifer was the person who just kept putting those three systems together. And I didn't have to go from appointment to appointment to appointment. She could be just like, let's, let's talk to your body and see what it needs in this moment. And she just, every time I'd go in, she'd just give me a little more breathing space and feel a little better using the Z Health system, which we're gonna talk about today. And then part of why I've invited her to do a podcast with us is because we are all being very visually challenged by being on computers and Zoom all the time. And it's exhausting our brain and exhausting us. And, and she has some tools today that are gonna help us um, really feel better in the moment and have a little more bandwidth and move forward. And, um, and so that's what we're going to focus on today. Uh, and she, uh, she has been trained in a Z health system. She, she's a martial artist, has a couple of black belts and, and has been studying movement her whole life, but really has dug deep into the Z health system. She is just an extraordinary person an extraordinary trainer that I have great gratitude for. So I'm super excited about our conversation today. Oh, thank you, Chris. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I've been really looking forward to this. I was really excited when Kristen said that you had time to do this one um, because I know a little bit about Z Health and Taizo Fitness through her experiences, but can you just help me understand a little bit more um, what Z Health is? So Z Health is a brain-based education platform, right? It's trying to educate trainers or physios and teach them about neuroanatomy or anatomy all the way up into neuroanatomy. So you have lots of tools in your toolbox to help people. So can you say a little bit more about that? Like how does that, what, what are the kinds of people who come to see you? Um, like, why are they coming to see you? How do you use yeah, well, that let's, physiology? Let's like, use a, like yourself as an example, right? Mm -hmm. So in order for you to live out your life, you need your brain, right? Mm -hmm. And we all, we understand that brain is the, the beginning of all movement and all actions and all decisions. So we start with that premise. Then we can understand that if we have a movement problem or a pain problem or a performance problem, we're able to kind of look back and say, is it my elbow or is it something other than my elbow? Is it up the spinal cord? Is it um, a part of my brain that's overreactive or underreactive? And is there any way that I can stimulate it? The truth is when you exercise or move, you're always practicing functional neurology. You are, you're just not doing it purposely. What if we could be more purposeful in the actions that we take and hopefully see a different outcome? Great. And so that's what you do at Taizo Fitness? I try, I, it's a practice, it's a, it's a like way that you interact with people. So I, you come to me and I, I ask you first of all what you want. And then the next question I ask is, um, how much effort are you willing to put to get there? Because some problems are you know, enormous, right? Maybe you have a hard time walking mm -hmm. and you've already gone to everybody and they say, well, you're good enough, right? And so I'm usually after you've gone to the doctor and they said, you just need to move more right? And that's usually where I come in and someone says, okay, I need to move more, but I have a hard time doing real strict hardcore exercise like squats, you know, deadlifts, all normal exercise programs don't really work for me. Could you help me? And I'll do an assessment and I'll be like, yeah, let's work out your eyes. So it's like six muscles in the eyes and I'll be like, let's work out your eyes. And sure enough, all of a sudden they're walking better because they see better. 
And that's because when their brain takes in more clear, better information, it's able to make decisions and move much more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So it sounds almost and like you're- I, And I, I just want to jump in that like that, what she just said about vision is so true. Like our work together, like she, start, she started, so I was having problems in the car and uh, she started with my feet to make sure that I was grounded and eye exercises. And that just gave me more bandwidth than I had had in years because I was doing eye exercises and I was basically mapping in where my ankles were. It was amazing. <laughs> just mm -hmm. like I, and, and, happened, and it wasn't like happened next week. It happened that moment. Like, I would, you know, like I would just ask a little bit about how she confirms that it's working because that's part of the amazing thing about Z Health is like you don't, you don't have to wait until next year to know that it helped a little because she sets it, Jennifer was setting it up for me to see that. Can you talk a little more about that? Because that was magic. Yeah, I think assessment and reassessment kind of look like magic, but they're really just usually you try to pick something that A, the client will see a difference, and B, you get a lot of feedback on where you're going to go next, right? So um, one of the ones that we do is toe touch, right? So you lock out your legs, put your feet together, and you try to touch your toes. And that tells people how tight are my hamstrings. So they usually the first test we say, just go ahead and give it a good stretch. Take a couple reps, you know, get loosened up. And then we're going to do a drill. And the funny thing is not every time you do a drill, do they have a better flexibility. You'd think the more times they do it, they'd be more flexible. But what happens is you do a drill that's too overwhelming for them or not the right drill. And sure enough, their hamstrings get shorter. And I find that always the, the best way to convince somebody that it's not that you're just getting more limber by doing the exercise, which there's some relative like truth to that but I'm actually reducing the threat and your brain's allowing you to move more freely. Hmm. That so is the magical threat. statement, reducing the threat and allowing your body to move more easily. Like, oh, that was great. Thank you. I just <laughs> want to throw that in because like that, I think that's the core of the magic sauce of Taizo. Well, because it's self-motivating. So when you're doing something and right then you get better, let's say your shoulder won't move and all of a sudden your shoulders move better. That moment of what my arm can even do that. I didn't know my arm could do that. And it won't stay. It doesn't stick unless you practice the exercises over and over that got you there. But to know that the possibility is there is such a motivating way to kind of train yourself and it really kind of drives you forward. Mm -hmm. It reminds me just how the two of you are talking. It reminds me a little bit of my experience with awareness through movement and Feldenkrais in terms of, understanding how like first you need to understand it, it really does start in the brain like you have to be able to conceive of how you're going to move your body before you're able to move your body in that way almost is it i don't know if you have experience with those. no i know who feldenkrais is there's a great quote that dr cobb puts in one of the instructional books and i think to make good better to make better great and to make great like effortless or something basically yep. when it comes to movement it's a beautiful quote and i Think that that's exactly our goal in Z Health. And Z Health really is more like a lens. It's not so much a, you know, yes, you want to know neuroanatomy and yes, they teach you exercises and do things and to assess people and help them. But really, it's about this lens of saying every usually modality has a value. Neurologically, what are they targeting mm -hmm. and why does it help? So, why does Pilates work or why does, you know, Feldenkrais work or whatever the thing that you're doing? It works for a reason. Some people feel great results from like, was it sound baths? They say, oh, that makes me feel so great. There's a real thing there. And you just have to recognize why. And you're using neuroanatomy to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I know with Kristen, you did a lot of work with her eyes. And you had mentioned that previously. Is that, do you find that, that the eyes are like one of the things that you work with sort of regardless of what limitations people are coming in with or I would agree yeah say that because what happens is in our society how many times do you, have you ever heard of working out your eyes yeah so if we have an underdeveloped muscle we can see that there's weakness and if there's weakness 
and something that takes in a large amount of information. I mean, I think Dr. Cobb once said, and I thought this was really smart, that you really touch the world with your eyes. Mm-hmm. And in kind of ways, you think about you look at a tree, right? You put gaze upon it and you see the texture of the bark and the color of the leaves. And you really do touch that tree with your eyes and you bring in that information and make a bunch of decisions. So if you can't do that very well, you're not going to be, I think, as exuberant, as free of movement, as willing to be adventurous, because the world is a little bit more scary because you can't articulate it visually very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's interesting being someone who's worn glasses since I was like seven. I like totally relate to that and my attachment to like, uh, you know, the, the idea of not being able to see or take in that information visually. And then how does that uh, impact decision making or freedom of movement or feeling of safety in my environment? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Well, and like peripheral vision is a great example of that. Like mm-hmm. if you, when you go to tunnel vision, that's a fight or flight. That's an extreme version of not having peripheral. Mm-hmm. To have peripheral is to mean that you're not in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So if you lose that as a skill, because it's a skill, if you lose it as a visual skill, then maybe the world is really scary and you're constantly in a place of fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I hadn't really thought of it in terms of the, which part of the brain is then sort of triggered or or controlling the vision part. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that I've really been thinking a lot more about since we were working together, Jennifer, is like, what do most people, what kind of information do most people take in? And then how has that changed in this COVID moment? Because a lot of people, I mean, they use their eyes to navigate the world, but they're not really training their eyes to navigate the world. It just sort of is like what is. And so the range is to the piece of paper or the screen that they're reading, and then the range is to how they walk down the street and, and driving. But they're not looking deeply into the world as, as we would have if we, 2,000 years ago where we would be looking at the, the, the leaves and, and the dirt and seeing if some, you know, an animal has walked by and you know, and, and taking in other sensory information at the same time. And so, you know, and really going from far to near to far in like much, much broader range. And now in this COVID moment, like people are spending 12 hours a day looking at a flat screen. Yeah. Which is just, you know, and we're trying to get 3D information about somebody's affect off of zoom which is just bizarre and tiring and and not not what we have you know what god or evolution intended and not what we've been doing for the last decade like it's just this really high novelty and very visually demanding moment do you think that's i I agree with that i think that is true i also feel like um Everyone needs to figure out the, you know, rat trap and rat park, right? The fa- famous um, thing that Martha Beck wrote in her, is it four-day win? And it was about this study they did, and they gave rats, you know, drugs, and they gave rats a very nurturing environment. And what did the rats kind of do? Did they kind of self-medicate themselves, or did they choose not to self-medicate themselves and all their needs were met? And I think that goes back to the same moment in time here for us humans. I always tell people, you are an animal. And the great thing about you, you get to decide your habitat. So if you don't put enough enriching things in your life, whether that be going for a walk and focusing on, you know, the landscape or the area, right? And like maybe I like to look at birds. I think that's really fun. Or even kind of the different types of insects and stuff. And so if you don't have anything in your kind of habit or your normal, then you can find yourself kind of overwhelmed by... Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I feel like mainly is what it is, is that you're just so tired, but you don't want to stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, my eyes hurt or, oh, I'm uncomfortable, but I don't know what else to do. Yeah. 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 I find myself more and more often, like throughout the day, just sort of like taking my glasses off and being like, okay, like reset, reset, you know, trying to, you know, just, I don't know. I, and I'm just realizing that as we talk, like, that like I'm covering my eyes, right? Yeah, yeah, and like, our- like, you know, I'm rubbing my forehead, but like really like sort of like, I need a, I need a sensory input break, 
um, which I somehow have started to do like frequently. You know, like I'll be on a call conference call and if I'm not showing my video, I have my glasses up and I'm like, okay, like just, just listen and try not to look at anything kind of mode. Um, I think that that's a great, uh, so we, we've invited Jennifer to come and teach us uh, some exercises that we can do in our own homes, in our own offices, in our own spaces. And, and I know that that's, that's similar to one that she's prepared for us. And so maybe we'll just start in and have Jennifer lead us through some drills and just see how that helps us feel better. And, 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 uh, and I, you know, our thing at Dynamic Brains Consulting is just to check in and say, well, what's your energy supply right now? Like on a scale of one to 10, are, you know, 10 being enough energy and one being not getting out of bed, even though the house is burning down. Like let, whoever's listening to this, let's check in and see, well, what's our energy supply right now? And I would say I'm about a seven. And, uh, and Natasha, you're about, I'd say I'm about a six, a six. Okay. And then we're going to try the exercises. And then do you want to do, do a, do a, some other test and a Z health test, or we're going to go through the exercises on our, we could do a test. Um, if, uh, one that you can do probably seated in terms of vision is your peripheral. So when okay. you do your peripheral here, let me back up a little bit. You're going to look at one spot, like let's say at the camera, but you're going to let your eyes see the, the wiggly finger. And when you can't see that finger wiggle anymore and you can't see it, that's where you're at peripherally, right? So you kind of just mark it usually. Now you can do a range of motion test, right? You can do shoulder mobility or toe touch, but this one you can do right in front of the camera. So it's easy to figure out. You can also do neck mobility. And what okay. does it mean if with the peripheral vision, it, like I lost my right finger before my left finger? Good. So then you're just going to like kind of notice where your right finger kind of mm-hmm. was when you lost it. Mm-hmm. So when we retest, you have feedback, whether that got better, worse, or exactly the same. And those are your three outcomes. Great. Yeah. So it's not a perfect science, but it's pretty close. And it's, I think it's really mm-hmm. useful. So our first exercise, and you actually kind of, uh, Natasha basically said it is face is like hand palm like face palm Mm -hmm. and you literally just gently cover your eyes placing your palms of your hands into your eyes and what you're looking for is to stop seeing um these starburst kind of like light shots because there's no light actually coming into your eyes so that is your optic nerve still trying to fire so that's your cranial nerve too and if you let that kind of die down for a second and relax then when you come back to your peripheral awareness drill, it might be better, right? It might be worse. It might be the same. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we play with that. Interesting. Oh, you yeah. have to wiggle your finger because peripheral is movement, not... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, much wider. I'm going to touch my toes. <laughs> yeah, I could pull, put my hands pump flat on the ground wow. before. So that's easy, right? That's the easiest mm-hmm. one I think to do. Is she already wanted to do it. So it shows that you already had the intuition, Natasha, to mm-hmm. say, my eyes need a break and this is what I need, which is really cool. Yeah, it is interesting that like just the, you know, trusting in like what, like just going with it, I guess. You know, I was I didn't understand necessarily what you just described and how it was helping, but I knew that it was helping, right? So Yes, yeah. right? Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. What else do you, were you thinking you'd show us? Um, my, like, one thing that I think everyone probably should practice on a daily basis because of the whole screen thing is near far. And I practice near far almost as, like, anytime my eyes feel tired, it's the number one drill I pick, actually. It's my number one. So I'm watching something on a screen and I feel like eye fatigue, I instantly look at something at a different distance and then come back to the object I'm looking at. So the easiest way to do that is with a visual like target. So my little pen has a little emblem. I bring my pen either, I can do it with one eye and I want it to be clear and then I would say look far. So I can, I really recommend don't look at your screen when you go to your far point, 
bring the pen as close as you can see to me, and then hold it there, and then jump your visual target to across the room or outside or something that you can see still clearly. Like I have a smiley face behind the camera so I can look at the pen and then look at the smiley face. And I'm looking for visual clarity as I move, right? It's a flexibility drill that I think there is kind of relaxing and contracting to give me that near point, far point. There you go. Yep. And you'll find is if you isolate the eyes, one eye is much more like efficient. You end up seeing that this is the eye I see things with. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. You'll find that you'll have an eye that's really your dominant eye that you'll for sure rely on for clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have an eye that I read with and an eye that I look out in the world with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's basically yeah your eye dominance and um, phorias and stuff kind of go into there. Even though I still test twenty twenty for vision, like it's interesting to me that like. Mm-hmm. They don't detect that, but I functionally detect that. Well, there's like, uh, I think it's debatable depending on what uh, sport visual system you follow, but there's 21 to 26 visual skills that the eyes can perform. And that's pretty amazing if you think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's more than your Snellen chart, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, I mean, on the whole computer eyes, Thing. I also have these, which are pinhole glasses. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They're pretty interesting. Um, what I find is that people that, by the way, need glasses to read can put these on and don't need glasses to read. Now, I do not recommend you drive around with these. I think that is illegal. If you need glasses to drive, please wear them. But uh, I use them when I'm either on a plane and I'm going to be forced to look at a screen, and there's nowhere to go, or when I um, have to just like force to look at a screen. Like if I'm just really working hard and I need to look, this is a really great tool to really relax your, um, it, it filters that light in so you're able to basically dilate a little bit more and take more light in. It's like aperture kind of setting on your, your camera. I don't know if people do that anymore because we have smartphones, but you know, back in the day when you did. And then it also, uh, it kind of tones down a part of your brain that's very excited by light. So yeah. if you can overwork it by looking at lit things all the time and being in artificial light. Mm-hmm. So I love the pinhole glasses. Yeah, that's a nice reminder. I, I use them quite a bit when we were working on my recovery from my motor vehicle accident. And then, you know, the, I just, you know, I've been feeling good. And so I haven't been using them, but it would be nice to dig them out again and use them when I'm spending a lot of time on screens because I'm not always uh I'm not sure I would wear them when we're when we're trying to do zoom face to face but sometimes I'm just sitting there and I'm listening or talking talking in it and um that might be helpful or just when I'm doing a lot of writing I would use it a lot that's what I was going to say when you're doing a lot of writing that's exactly when I would do it but in, in the studio I actually do it if someone's having a stress response anytime we do anything physical it basically relaxes them it's basically a relaxing tool and if they can't see something let's say like a visual chart of some sort if I put on the pinhole glasses they may need glasses all of a sudden they see it clearly and yeah. so they can do that near far drill and they don't need their bifocals right mm-hmm. so that's kind of useful for doing that drill yeah. Interesting. Can you talk a little bit about what a stress response is? Because I, as, as somebody who specializes in PTSD and anxiety, I, I thought, and, you know, 22 years of martial arts, I thought I was embodied and like knew what was going on in my body and knew a stress response. And like when we first came, started working together, I was like, here's the exercise that my P, or you, you set up an exercise that my PT had set up. And, and, and I did it for like a set of four and you're like, stop. And I'm just like, what? And you're like, that's far enough. Like you can't do it anymore. I'm like, I'm doing hundreds of these a day because if I do more, I'll get better. And you're like, no, cause you're getting a stress reaction. And so like, how, how do you, re- I don't know if you remember that conversation or if you have that conversation all the time, but what were you seeing in my eyes? 
or what do you think you were seeing in my eyes that made oh, you okay. know that I needed to, to needed to take a break? So I'm going to go back to the idea of first specific adaptation to oppose demands, right? The said principle. And this is kind of a really good way to understand why stress is so important, at least in my the way I practice with people and I train with them, is that what happened is that when you're in fight or flight, it's like, ah, right? Your shoulders come up, your, your flexion pattern, you kind of bring your head down, you get your eyes away from something, you usually close your eyes and, you know, you stop, rest and digest, you start fight or flight. You were blinking a lot. Right. Your eyes were not able to do the exercise smoothly, accurately, so specific, right, without blinking often and, sh and kind of watering a little bit. And there was no point in making you get really good at being stressed out by that drill. Right. Right. And I think that that's such an important point of, you know, we can cognitively train ourselves to say that we're not stressed, but our body is giving us lots of indications that it's actually stressed. Yeah. And, I agree I, and, and, and what, what was also like in my head before I started working with you is like, I thought, okay, I'm stressed. So, so now I can only do four, four reps a day. And you're like, oh no, like we're going to go do something else. We're going to go use your brain in a completely different way and have it relax. And then we're going to go back to something that was hard. And then I could do 10 or six or whatever. And it's not this like, okay, try the next day thing. It's like try in two minutes thing. And, and my brain could relax in like two minutes. Like that was amazing to me. Well, I think that's like inoculation or basically like association training, yeah. right? Yeah. We're relaxing or calm. This feels good. You're happy. Cool. Let's do something that's now a little bit stressful, but not too stressful. Yeah. Uh, I think it goes back to the deep and deliberate practice concept too. You, yeah. you know, push yourself too hard. You don't learn very much at all. Yeah. But if you don't push yourself at all, you don't become very good at anything. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Which, uh, you know, I mean, are, are we, you say that and it seems like a really basic principle that we're like, oh yeah, no duh. And yet we do not practice that as a society almost on any level. It's like jump, well, it's in, this hard end, jump in this deep end. Good luck. Learn how to swim. Yeah. I think it's hard too, because we're also very competitive. Um, in nature like we want to be like when I first became a trainer you know the idea that I could tell people I don't know I don't think was the first thing I wanted to start with you know I've been doing training for about 10 years or more and I am comfortable telling someone you know what I don't necessarily have the answer but I think I know someone that does but as a first beginning trainer I was like oh we'll figure it out right <laughs> because yeah. people don't really give you a whole lot of leeway to just say I, I don't know. Like yeah. everyone expects everyone to be good at their job or good at what they do from the get go. And it's, it's unfortunate, but I think that's the truth in it, at least America. I don't sure other countries, but I, I know that that's for our work. ethic. like, we are consistently asking yeah. for people to like, you know, get out of college, know what you want to do or something. Right. Yeah. And it's really a process and it continues. I'm learning new stuff about how to train people every day. People are fascinating. It's <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. So you uh, suggested breathing drills might help people um, tolerate being on the on computers a little more. Can you tell us a little bit about the breathing? So yeah, I think fuel and activation are a concept that when I learned that, it made a bunch of sense. So basically, in order to get your your visual process, use an enormous amount of fuel, right, in order for you to do the exercise, the task. So maybe that's you know, writing, maybe that's just conversing and looking at someone and being there with them versus being distracted. There's a lot of different things that you might need a uh, focus and attention basically for. And vision is obviously one of those. And reading could be that too. But if you don't have any fuel to do that, then you're going to have a hard time doing that. And so fuel is basically thinking about blood flow. And blood flow goes from the bottom of the head to the top of the head, from the back of the head to the front of the head, right? So that's like our blood flow pattern in the brain. And if you start with breathing, you really encourage more um, blood flow to the brain. So then you're able to get the fuel you need to make the right decisions. And I think that can go along with, you know, making good decisions and bad decisions or, 
you know, whatever you want to think about it. But a great breathing drill that I think works really well, it's really simple, it's called box breathing. And you kind of think about it, if there was a metronome, right, or seconds, you would inhale for let's say three or four seconds, you would hold the inhale for that three or four seconds, you would hold, or, yeah, exhale, and then hold the exhale. So let's do that again. So you go in, two, three, hold, two, three, out, two, three, hold, two, three. And that's your box breathing pattern. And it can be any amount of seconds that you can do, I think, efficiently without, you know, at the end. And then I would maintain it for at least five breaths, I think would be a really great, you know, you're counting kind of my seconds and my hold. And then you're also counting, okay, that was rep one. Okay, that was rep two. And I think that's a great way to also do mindfulness practice. It's like two for one, really. Yeah. Can we do it like, we walk us through three times so Natasha and I can just like test, look at our energy and, uh, and, and test our flexibility and peripheral vision and see what happens? Sure, let's do, do it. Think, do you think three is enough? I think I'm going to have us do three, four second ones. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm going to do okay. my peripheral vision. Yeah, you can do your peripheral vision. This one would be cool. I'm oh, sorry, I'm do peripheral vision like this. There you go. You look forward. Yeah, you wiggle the fingers. Anything, I think, when you do breathing, you could also see what your extension was because, you know, your rib cage and extending would have to do a lot of your inspiration and expiration muscles. Okay. So, we ready? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. In two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, relax, breathe normally. That definitely improved my energy. How about you, Natasha? Yeah, and my peripherals. It's just a, it's a, I think a nice, nice relaxing drill. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you have monkey brain and you have a hard time focusing, I think that one's really great at, like I said, like mindfulness, relaxation, and then you just get more fuel to the brain. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that was like maybe two minutes, right? Like th- this is not like, oh, I got to go sit for 30 minutes. And it, you know, it like that fast, I got at least a 15% bump in my energy and my flexibility had gotten short while we were sitting and then it lengthened again uh by just breathing mm-hmm. like and which is just going to make me more comfortable in my body and my peripheral vision got a little better mm-hmm. i think i think breathing drills are the most powerful you drill you can do to change your state yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah and and do you notice because like we're we're kind of the food food we like talking about food when because you talked about fueling your brain with oxygen and then glucose so when people do you can you when you have clients who come in who haven't been fed can you tell that they're neurologically different if they've gone like a half day without eating versus they're eating small frequent meals like where do you fall on that spectrum so what usually happens is that either no drill works, no matter what, even if I've seen them before and I know what drills work and I know what their body likes, nothing works if they haven't been eaten, they haven't eaten. And then the second thing that could occur is that they be, it works the first time, but they have no endurance. Mm. Oh, right. Interesting. Yeah. So then all the stress responses mm-hmm. that we w- would normally not see because we know this drill is effective or we've done this drill before, then all of a sudden... It, it doesn't happen the first rep, but the second rep, they can't keep their eyes focused or whatever it is. And then I talk to them about fuel. <laughs> Usually, I do a couple breathing drills and then we go back to it. And if I can't get any benefit, I say, have you eaten today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and usually yeah. they haven't. 
Yeah. And so it's just interesting to have you confirm, you know, like usually we're addressing anxiety or depression or fatigue, but like you even see it on a fundamental movement basis mm -hmm. that people can't repeat the same, you know, like movement pattern or there's disruption in their ability to choose how they're going to move because they're not fueled. I mean, that's really fundamental. Yeah, I think their focus and like so their endurance goes down. So you can't really force yourself to do, especially a skill you're not very good at. Yeah. And doing it somehow at least one rep out of like, you know, three. Well, yeah. that's what we're looking for in deep bullet. We're looking for at least a 50%, you know, success rate. And if you can't even do that for me, I'm going to have to like, either make it much easier, but if I make it the simplest thing and I realize like, hey, what's going on? And they tell me, oh, I'm really stressed out. I haven't eaten, all this stuff. Then I realize that their best bet is to go home and take a nap, which no one likes to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but you and I are similar in terms of practitioners of like, well, here's the truth of the moment. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Don't and then, yeah. then one of the things that was that like I said to every practitioner that I said that that I was like my neck has something to do with my vision and they said no that makes no sense so whatsoever that is not true and then I came to see you and you're like well of course and then you proved it to me like we would do yeah. a neck exercise and my eyes would get better mm -hmm. right like so so I noticed that you thought that, that when we're in this COVID moment, neck drills would be helpful. Yeah. So when you have, so a couple of things about why I think neck drills are important. The vestibular system, which is your inner ear. So that's what kind of makes people have that feeling of seasick or um, what's the other word that people use when they don't feel very like vertigo, all those kind of sensations, right? Where the world feels a little tipsy-turvy, and even though it doesn't, it shouldn't. That's when our eyes disagree with our inner ear. And our inner ear really is out to find that horizon and tell you kind of where are you in relationship to gravity, which makes sense because it doesn't want you to hit your head on the ground. That's a really scary thing because if you do that hard enough, you won't live. So your neck has a lot of proprioception that feeds in to your vestibular system and tells you kind of where you're going. But also, your neck is where your phrenic nerve lives, right? So when you inhale and you exhale, that's going to be driven by the nerve supply that comes out of the neck. So if you don't have good, like, spacing or I feel like uh, flexibility in the neck, you're going to see problems in two areas, balance and uh, kind of compromised breathing patterns, mm -hmm. right? And if you have a compromised breathing pattern, you're almost always going to be into a fight or flight. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, was it the chicken or the egg? I don't know, but I prefer to just try my best at everything and then see if I can feel better. <laughs> exactly. Right. So uh, when you do a neck drill, uh, I think it's helpful just to think about, okay, these vertebrae, they play into like my systems that I obviously care about. And so I think I had neck figure eight, right? Mm -hmm. So neck figure eights are nice because you get two for one. You get vestibular and you get your neck, right? So you want to feel better. So you tilt your head. So I usually say chin to shoulder. So you get this nice diagonal kind of stretching motion over here. And then you diagonally move your head up, right, to the opposite corner. And then you go chin down. Now we're on the opposite shoulder. And diagonally we move up with our chin. And then we go down. And this is the neck figure eight. What we're trying to do is, I always say, draw a bow tie with your chin. And you can really tilt your head back if you want to. And then you have this big motion. And then uh, it depends on the person. So some people, I say, let your eyes lead you. And sometimes that makes people dizzy. So then I say, close your eyes and just do it as you want to do it. And really, if this is too extreme, like that's a pretty intense motion, right, a figure eight, then I would just say, Start doing it statically. Like start off here, right, and here, and then up at 45, hold, breathe, you know, take your time, hit your target, but don't let it be painful. So, you know, we always say don't move into pain because pain is a skill and, every, and you don't want to practice that skill. <laughs>
So I can definitely see how this plays into the eye, the, vi the vision work that we were just talking about as well, because I find as my eyes are more tired, if I don't take a break from my computer, what I end up doing is crawling into my computer, which then compromises the breathing and creates stress in the neck. But I, mm -hmm. I think for long hours on the computer, for me, it's driven by my eyes being tired mm -hmm. and then you know, like moving in. Yeah. It's interesting. And what you're describing, that, that computer position that you're mm -hmm. describing is exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to fight or flight. It's almost mm -hmm. exactly, I mean, it, other than your fact that you're going forward, but your shoulders are up, mm -hmm. right? Your head's kind of in, it goes forward. That's hard to maintain without consequences. Mm -hmm. And I think we know that. And I, I would say that I get like this if I start really like, if I'm on a sewing project and I'm like, I'm going to sew. What I find is that my brain has no problem saying, you're uncomfortable. But I say back to it, but I got this one more seam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to try to finish, right? And, and what I, you know, what the answer I try to actually do if I want to sew longer, I tell myself, if you want to sew for a longer period of time, take breaks every 15 minutes. Foam roll, stretch, mm -hmm. do something other than what you're doing, go outside, and then come back. And even if it's only for a minute or two, getting out of that position, going back in it, you're just more efficient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I've, I've gotten a little bit better at it, but I definitely fall into the category of like, it, it's almost disembodied. Like I can sit with almost not moving, not getting up to pee, not drinking for like hours if I'm in the middle of a project and that's where my head is, right? Like I almost like, for, like forget the rest of me. And I, I've gotten a little bit better at that, at not doing that. But it is interesting how you can just, like the body's like, hey, and then you can just like shut it down, you know? So it's uh, interesting. I think it's hard because what you're describing is also a positive thing. It's called flow state, right? You get mm -hmm. really into something, you're really mm -hmm. excited about it and you want to finish it. Mm -hmm. And you know that like, if I work hard and I finish it, it's going to be great. But like I said, I think the biggest, Thing you need to try to maybe start with a time. I had to do a timer for a while. We had an online course that we developed, took a ton of work in front of the computer, and I really disliked most of it. But I, I realized I was more efficient if I gave myself like every 20 or 30 minutes a stand up break where I could just do breathing drills, walk around, and sit back down mm -hmm. and get to it. And I feel like my quality of work was better. And I was so because I was more productive, I didn't have to work as long. Yeah, right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Right. That makes a lot of right. sense. And, that, and that's like the thing that I'm always talking to people about when I'm trying to, you know, like what's the return on investment for doing their food mm -hmm. or sleep or mm -hmm. movement kind of thing. And it's, and everybody has a different place where they can see that efficiency. But like one of the things I noticed years ago was like, if I got up and walked outside for 10 minutes, I could get my charting done when the patient was in the room or immediately afterwards. And if I didn't walk for 10 minutes in the morning outside, I would spend an hour at, at the end of the day. And it's kind of like, that's a no duh, kind of like, I'm gonna get out in the morning and walk 10 minutes. But like when it's February and it's raining, like getting out of bed and enough time to go walk outside, like, Truthfully, it doesn't happen every day, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, but at least I'm clear how I'm setting myself up for a longer day, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I get to make those choices on a day-to-day -day basis, but knowing, knowing what the return on investment is to take care of your body and help your brain be more efficient um, was a really help having the tools. And and I think that that's one of the things that I appreciated about just learning to like, how flexible am I in this moment and having ways of testing not only my energy, what my energy level is, but like, can I move my body? Gives me a way of checking in. Cause like the other night I had to finish a presentation and I, I would get up and I would just touch my toes and I was like, oh, I'm still good. Like my brain is not exhibiting tired system. And so like, I'm just going to sit back down and keep working. And then, you know, and then it got later and, 
it was past my bedtime and like I was just like okay like everything just fell apart so we're gonna stop before we just start making mistakes right but and what you're describing yeah perform cognitive performance is exactly what happens like on the field and you know the performance arena and comes to sports fitness is actually the same thing that you're talking about it just people just don't realize it's more subtle yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference. And what Z Held is asking us to do is be more aware that that subtlety that still matters. And it still is the communication of your brain saying, Hey, like I'm having a hard time right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not learning anything other than work when I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So, Natasha, how are you feeling? Like, what's your energy level? Yeah. I'd say I might be at a seven now. Yeah. I definitely, um, but I feel clearer and calmer. Yeah. I don't know so much more um, energetic, but I definitely, um, I feel more mental clarity. Yeah. 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 I think that I, I went from a seven to a nine, but what I, what I'm really feeling is like, that my face is not like, I didn't realize my face was tired, but it's now not tired. Mm. Right. Like there was mm. like, it was almost like some, like, you know, I went from wearing like maybe the feeling like the imprint of a mask. Cause we're all wearing masks. Like, but it was like on my whole face, like it wasn't hard on my face. It was just something dragging on my face. Mm. And now my eyes are like, and I'm just more visually engaged mm-hmm. in, in my office. Mm-hmm. Versus like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we didn't really talk about what Taizo Fitness is at the beginning. Can you just tell us about that center? Yeah. And- Taizo Fitness is a small studio in Tacoma, Washington, where we focus on group fitness and personal training. And we do that through a Z Health lens. They so take that brain-based approach and... I use it to see how people move. I really am in my group classes. I feel like the most important thing that I do is I encourage people to play and have fun and that exercise doesn't have to be this grueling force yourself to do it. It actually can be really playful and fun. And when you discover what your body can do, you're more willing to kind of try new things and be curious. I really feel like that's kind of the core of the group program. The personal training is more about pain relief and helping people with specific you know, needs. So if someone says like, oh, I really want to be able to do this one thing, then that's what we help them with. Because I have a group class for general fitness, but my personal training is for those really particular things. Like maybe they graduated, you know, their physical therapy, but their shoulder still isn't working well. And they're not quite ready for the group class or they want to do it with the group class. Then we kind of work with them. Mm-hmm. And what are, so I like the whole Z health lens kind of idea, but here I am in Vermont and I know that there are other people who will be watching this who aren't as lucky as Kristen who can just come and work with you directly. Is there like a network of people who use Z health principles or how, what, yeah. what would you recommend for people who are interested, but maybe not local to you? Yeah. If you Google Z health, I think, um, find a trainer. There's a database and you can not only see who they are and where they are, but what certifications, like what part of the program they've gone through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that really, actually, I love that tool because if any of my clients leave and I have had clients, you know, like move, then I just look it up for them. I try to give them the contact information based on the people that I like see. And I'm like, Hey, this person might have the education to help you with what you have. And I, mm-hmm. and I really think that's a useful tool. Mm-hmm. Great. That is life-changing. So once you kind of get into it, you're like, I just want to find another person like you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. And is it, do you, do you I, I mean, I, I will go, of course, and Google it myself, but do you have a sense of how broad the network is? Like here in Vermont, oh. would, would I likely find somebody? Or are there, un, I mean, so much of it, some of it seems like it could translate to online, but probably not all of it. Um, no, there, yeah, there is a, there's a lot of online stuff because of the COVID thing. Yeah, that's something that I've noticed. But, I mean, I think it's very far reaching. It's in Europe, so I've done a lot of trainings mm-hmm. in Europe. And it's actually, it's spreading in Europe way more, I think, than America because mm-hmm. they are really interested in a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. But it's all over the country. Uh, it did not start, I feel like its main base was Arizona right now. I think they are doing most of their teaching, well, like online right now, mm-hmm. but... I think hopefully by the time I want to do my next class, 
I'll do it again in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably where they're going to do But they do, yeah, schooling all over the country. And I, I really appreciate that because it's good to practice with other people too that you've never met before because mm-hmm. their perspectives are different. And the way they solve a problem is sometimes unique and you want to learn kind of the process. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the different levels of certifications. Can you just describe like the different levels within Z Health that, so, that like the trainings that you've gone to and, and that people can look for? Yeah, so they have an essentials course. I think it's great for everyone that's interested. It's a pretty easy kind of dip your toes in. I think it's usually for even the, the end user, not necessarily for the coach. And then they have their system goes R, I, S, and T phase, right? And R phase is kind of like re-education of movement. I phase means like integration, so vestibular, visual. And then you got the S phase, which is your sports phase, and it's very visual too. It has more specific um, how to test the eyes. And it, it really is kind of teaching you what does good movement look like and what are the building blocks of good sports movement. Then you have T phase, which is your therapy phase. And I've done all of those. And then you have your more, they call them the nine S's, the, the higher level, really serious about certain things, right? And of course, I've done only the hard ones, <laughs> which is I've done the, the hardest ones are next evolution, which I just recently did. And then they have a structure and that's brain structure. So next evolution is all about your insular cortex. That's incredible. Like the whole class is only about one part of the brain. But structure is about the structure of the brain and how the brain kind of fed, kind of what wires together, fires together. It's what you really learn, kind of the deep parts of that. And then we have stamina. Stamina is the next one I'm going to do. So I'm really hoping, I mean, they give you all the online materials, but I really want to get it face-to-face with some people and, like, practice the things that I've been doing and seeing. You know, it's always better to do hands-on training. I mean, I hope mm-hmm. we don't lose that. And then there's skill and style. I think strength speed and I don't know if there's anyone other than that I think that's it but I might be missing one mm. yeah it's pretty it's a large system yeah. it's a really large system yeah but I I mean humans are really complex why wouldn't you have a large system if you're going to train people mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah I I ha- I'm slowly dipping my toe into getting the training and um and and it, the thing that it really impressed me is the thoroughness of, of Dr. Cobb and how well he makes the train, like he's good at educating. He's a great educator. He's a great educator, but like the, the demand of my time and interest to do it well is so much higher than any continuing education that I've been offered since getting out of school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so like recognizing that and making sure that I have, and so as we've been finishing the book, I'm like, mm, not so much, but maybe in September, I'm going to work my way through the, at least the online essentials. Uh, and it, again, it's, it's, it's more functionally useful than the neurology, the 12 credits of neurology that I had in medical school. Mm. <laughs> right, <Yeah. laughs> which is pretty impressive. So, I, like, I I'm pretty uh, impressed with the Z Health system. He's really, I think, the thing is that he's really trying to teach to. I mean, traditionally, personal trainers, which I started as, were not the type of people to a want to learn. I think something very deeply at first. I mean, there's different parts of the industry, but I got the impression that it was really like get, kick people's butt, get them to work out. And, you know, that's it. And I felt like that wasn't sustainable. I really wanted to do sustainable fitness. So when I understood that Z Health was like, okay, what is it? Why don't people want to move? And mm-hmm. instead of assuming that it's because they're lazy and they're not good people or whatever, that they did want to move, but maybe there are these barriers that you couldn't see that were preventing them from doing that. And what if you could teach them how to take those barriers away and then they would just want to move? Mm. Yeah. And that sounded more like how most people do most things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that that, you know, philosophically, that's where we really align in that. Um, I don't think people are lazy. I think that, I think that there's a barrier and, and it's hard to figure out what that barrier is. So, 
um, yeah. If all you're told is that you're just, you know, you're always tired all the time because you're lazy versus, wow, you're always tired all the time because your vestibular system isn't working very well and you're wasting a ton of energy and fight or flight, that's a totally different perspective. And if you knew you could do something about that, which before you didn't, I mean, that for me, that was huge. Like to know that I wasn't not good at sports because I'm just one of those people that aren't good at sports versus like and to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm just not good at sports because I didn't have those skills. No one taught me what I on the ball actually meant. Right. So catching is a specific skill and to watch that ball go all the way into my hand, how valuable that was. And then instantly I was like, well, I want to play more. I want to do that. I want to do that, play, take my tennis ball and throw it around and whatever it was, because now I was given the skill mm-hmm. and I was successful enough to be motivated to do it. And I think that's going to be the thing for, I mean, everybody, but we don't have the issue. I think with working a job where you're like really forced to work a ton of hours, it's just that how are you going to figure out your habitat? make sure you can still get enough movement in that you're pulling yourself to that, yeah. that mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is really awesome. <laughs> yeah, it has. This is great. I can't yeah. wait to find someone near me. <laughs> Good. I hope you find someone. Yeah. I'll look it up though and I'll send it to you, Natasha, if I see, see something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. I was just recently told by my eye doctor that uh, this is a little bit of an aside, but um, I apparently somewhat failed on their basic glaucoma test. And so now they want me to go see a glaucoma specialist, to, which I'm doing next week. Um, it was, of course, rescheduled twice with the COVID stuff, but um, to just dig into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, one of the things that I always push back on is I think that a lot of um, sort of regular healthcare practitioners are like, this is the diagnosis and now it's just the label that you have as opposed to embracing the idea that you could train those muscles, that you could do exercises to make improvement and stuff. So I'm, I'm um, quite curious for that appointment, but then also to just explore a little bit more what what do I have control over? And right. then maybe maybe there are things that I don't have control over, right? But Right. And that's what I would encourage you to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about glaucoma, so I can't actually speak and mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. But what I can say is I usually tell my clients that are dealing with maybe a chronic problem that they know they're diagnosed by a doctor, but they still want to feel a little bit better. I always mm-hmm. try to say we optimize what you have. Yeah. You can't take a certain diagnosis away from you. Right? I can't heal you necessarily. That's not my job. My job is to help you get through this world a little bit easier than you did before. Mm-hmm. And if that means like, if you even just get a little interest space and then you feel like, oh, I can do something I've always wanted to do, mm-hmm. or you're motivated a little bit more. And then all of a sudden you are doing something you're really passionate about. It's really bringing joy to your life or spending time with people you really love. I mean, that's, I think the whole point of doing anything, right? So yeah. Yeah. I think it's worth the investment. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the the test that triggered this was weak peripheral on my right side. Mm. Like that's oh, what interesting. it was that, you know, they did the thing where you look in and it shows you like the X and you're supposed to hit the little button as many times mm-hmm. as you, wherever you see it. And they do one eye and then the other eye. And it was, and then they showed me the graph of where I failed, um, which was like here. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I even just in doing the test we did, I'm like, yeah, there's my little spot. But in just like the what the couple minutes of exercise that expanded for me and so it's just interesting like if i'm borderline and they don't really you know like oh you know i'm in that category now because i just turned 50 that they're like oh well you know glaucoma for you um kind of thing so (laughs) like if it were a year earlier they may have had a different reaction right it's almost how it felt for me um so i'm just it's just i'm well one i just have no idea what other tests they're gonna do with me but right yeah that's what i would say i was like you have to wait for the other test yeah but that was it that was the only thing that that made my eye doctor want to explore this more so it was just a simple peripheral yeah yeah yeah. yeah, but maybe doing, per, you know, working on well, your I was thinking, position, like, like maybe I'm going to be practicing and then, then we'll see how I do on those tests. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just. Well, let me caution you. Oh, is it, you need about uh, how many reps? 
it was like, it's a lot of reps to see a change. So mm-hmm. it sounds silly to say it, but I always encourage my clients, like, depending on how much, I mean, I, I always try to like do the carrot thing, get them to be excited about the change that they're seeing. Mm-hmm. But in order for you to really see that lasting compensation go away, you're going to have to do a lot of reps. I will <laughs> yeah. say that. Yeah. So just, pr- just say that habits. You do a lot of reps of brushing your teeth. Yep. Right. You probably do. And you don't think about that too much, but you do have a lot of those reps and that's why it's ingrained in you. So think of it as like accumulating little reps, you know, every day. Yeah. 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 Nice. Thanks so much, Jen, for joining Kristen and I today. We had a great chat. We hope everybody listening has enjoyed it as well. Take care.